Welcome in to Bird's Eye View Extra Innings. When it comes to the Orioles, this bonus episode is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is May 11th, 2021, and this is episode, let's call it 317 and a half. My name is Jake English. And I'm Scott Magnus. And on this episode of Bird's Eye View Extra Innings, we'll bring you our conversation with Alex Fast of Pitcher List. We recorded this interview intending to include it in this week's episode, but in classic Bird's Eye View style, things ran a little long. So instead, we're going to go ahead and join Alex Fast as our ghost runner at second base in this portion of Extra Innings Bird's Eye View style. Listeners to this show will remember the last time that Alex Fast graced these airwaves, and they thought to themselves, what is this guy doing here? But, alas, he has made poor decisions and is joining us again. Alex Fast, the VP over at Pitchers List, and who provides overlays on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. You guys, thanks so much for having me. I'd like people to know, too, that I'm the one who insisted on selling the name. The first time I ever came on, I reached out to you guys, and I was like, oh, can I come on your podcast? I'm a big fan. And you're like, yeah, fine, whatever. No, like you're absolutely right. Like You reached out to us and was like, hey, I'd love to come on the podcast. And we're just like, yeah, sure. Like We are looking for people to break up the monotony of me and Jake basically whining about the Orioles. Uh, and, uh, you know... After you joined the show, like anybody, you know, you skyrocketed to the top um, and, you know, you became, uh, you know, a, a, a phenomenon within the baseball industry, as it were. Um, get, look, we, we've got to talk about something important. And uh, and I, I don't want this to get awkward, but uh, I've got. But welcome to Bird's Eye View. <laughs> I, I've got a, I've got a question for you. Did you bring your base? Did I bring? You know, it's so funny. I literally just dropped a minute ago the uh, the second episode of Base Hits, yep. and it's right next to me. It is indeed right next to me. All right, follow up question: okay. uh, Which is the best McCartney baseline, and why is your answer not "Don't say goodnight tonight"? Oh my God! Wow, that is such a good question. <laughs> um, Man, I need to think about that. I feel like put on the spot here because there are so many good ones. The first one that comes to my mind is like not the typical one. Like it could be theoretically She's So Heavy, which is like such a simple baseline but so impactful and powerful. Um, I don't know. I got to think about that. That's a fantastic question. All right. Do do some homework. Come back. We'll, we'll give you partial credit on the late assignment. Um, but there is 
possibly another important question that we need to address here. Yeah, tonight. so this is a baseball podcast that's extremely important that we get your opinion here um, and as an expert in this field. Uh, so, Alex, how do you properly dress a hot dog? Oh, wow. Jeez. I, I mean, listen, this podcast cannot be three hours. But okay, <laughs> here we go. Um, now, are we talking about like if I had all of the toppings that I could choose from? Or are we talking about like the standard fare at a ballpark? Let's just say that you are at a hot dog stand and you're slinging hot dogs. Um, and, uh, you know, you have to be someone comes up to you, you know, like a pretty lady or, or a pretty man at that as well. And they're just like, make me a hot dog of my dreams. Like, what is the hot dog that you're giving to this person? Oh, great. Okay, then I'm going to go with my my personal favorite, which was called the John John Darragon. I'm going to say, hey, give me a second. I got to wrap this hot dog in bacon so I can deep fry it real quick. And then I want you to go over there and get me your favorite cream cheese. And I'm going to rub that cream cheese on the side of the buns there, which taken out of context. I'm about to say, we are going to splice that out and we're going to send it to ESPN. (laughs) And that will happen to end up on Sunday Night Baseball, I'm sure. So all of this sound is now isolated. You're welcome. There goes the career. Um, (laughs) Uh, or lack thereof, and then uh, put everything bagel seeds uh, on that as well with some scallion and a little bit of hot sauce or a lot of hot sauce if you like hot sauce like me, and you get salty, sweet, and tangy, and bacon, and it's just perfection. I love it. That does sound pretty good. I mean, uh, I mean, do you have to add like locks to that eventually at, at some point, or is that just you know not appropriate for uh, for most instances? I have to leave this podcast that you even would suggest. (laughs) Alex, I'm just going to start tweeting you like hot dog porn at this point. (laughs) Look at this. The thing is, like, I tweeted about a little while ago, like, you know, it's crazy. I used to work at a hot dog place and now I've been fortunate enough to do all this stuff. And people were like, hey, man, don't disparage hot dogs. I was like, listen, dude, I worked at a hot dog place for like five years, not because I hated it. Because I loved it. Like, <laughs> I eat hot dogs all the time. I have never felt more simpatico with a TV character than when watching. I just watched Mad Men for the first time. And Betty Draper at one point is like, I like hot dogs. And I was like, well, she's my dream woman. <laughs> uh, oh, my wife. My wife is not happy I said that. <laughs> that's, that's perhaps not, not, the, not the best play. All right. Well, let's stop talking about Alex's wieners for a second. And uh, let's move on to baseball. Um, so John Means. Um so how is it covering baseball and then watching something like this happen for your team? Um, is it different, better, less exciting? You know, g- give me your feels, as it were. No, man, it's it's awesome. It's so exciting because it's like I, I think I was talking about this with someone a couple of days ago where it was like the beauty of baseball is like people outside of Baltimore, people outside of Seattle are not like, Hey, let me check out this middle of the day game between Baltimore and Seattle. You know what I mean? And then that ends up being like one of the, uh, like a historic game. Uh, And that's amazing. And seeing John means get some sort of national recognition, like not even because he's a fun pitcher to watch, but like just because of all the stuff he's been through, you know Uh what I mean? Like, the season he had last year, losing his father, which was so awful, and then you know making a comeback, uh, putting all the pieces together, and then getting this recognition. He he also just seems like a dude, like a cool dude. You know what I mean? Like I don't I don't really know him. I've ever talked to him. I've interacted with his wife a few times on Twitter. She seems like she's super cool. So I think it was just awesome to be like. You know, hey, pay attention to us for a second. Like, sure, we're not the best, but like, this is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Hey, not everything is awful here. I really enjoyed um, seeing um, Caroline Means basically post the picture of John Means coming out the next day after the no hitter um, and saying, well, this is what a hangover looks like. And he's got his sunglasses on. <laughs> and I'm like, 
that's a wife that loves his her man right there because she appreciates, yeah. but is willing to post it on the internet um, to you know not shame him, but just be like, John had a good night last night, and everyone should be happy for him. <laughs> so let, let's let's talk about the pitching though. We all know the changeup. We all love the changeup, and if I could do nothing but watch John Means throw the changeup from here until eternity, it would be a, a life worth living. But talk to me as someone that knows more about pitching than an idiot like me. What should we take away from where John Means is right now in his development, and particularly as it comes to his secondary off-speed stuff and not just the changeup? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, um, it's all downhill from here. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's, not, it's not at all. We started with um, McCartney. Yeah, of course, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> Um, there's a lot of like really exciting takeaways and, and uh, I was talking about this with Nick, who's the founder and CEO of Pitcherless. We're talking about this on, uh, on our podcast earlier today about like there, there's actually a really kind of fun direction that means could be heading in and, you know, out of context, this is like means is going to get even better, you know, and that may be the case and it may not be the case, but what's so exciting about it is he already has this foundation of the fastball and the changeup, Right. And as you said, the changeup has seemingly returned to its 2019 form, which is great because that was already a, a fantastic out pitch for him, right? But the thing is, back in 2019, it had a like a 14% swinging strike rate, which is not bad for a changeup. It's more kind of like league average. This year, that's up to about 26%. So it's almost doubled in terms of its swinging strike rate. So like, as I said, that four seam change of combination is solid. What's really exciting is I don't even think the breaking pitches are working as well as they theoretically could, right? Like the curveball and the slider together have been thrown fewer than 150 times. He's only thrown the slider 50 times and it's put up great numbers in that time. But I mean, you guys can, I, I don't know if you would agree with this. It seems like when I watch him, those are the pitches in which he is least consistent with in terms of his command on a start by start basis. You I, know what I mean? Yeah, like, I would agree totally with that. I mean, even coming back to that no hitter game, I mean, he had a little bit of inconsistency where they were the changeup and had to rely on the fastball to begin that game. And then he got that feel for the changeup as the game progressed. Um, and I think that's such a big deal to have even those two pitches with that that command basis. And, um, you know, I think we saw during that no hitter game, and I think we've seen it since, like you said, last September, um, you know, John means from a command basis has been impeccable. Um, and again, just being able to mix pitches between the fastball and the changeup and knowing exactly where they end up. I think is the reason why we've seen him have success. And he certainly did that in that no hitter, um, you know, absolutely appropriately. And, you know, yeah, go ahead, Jake. It was Buck Showalter that always talked about the, you know, if you've got two, two pitches in this league, you can compete. If you got three, you can dominate type of deal. I think what I've seen so far from means is when he is really difficult for pitchers, that slider more frequently, um, is the pitch that if it's just effective enough to not be the changeup, so like, not a, like a full meat pitch, basically, right? Okay, not mm. not the not the fastball, not the changeup, looks different enough. It's going to be more effective than than it it should by all credit. Gotcha. I mean, I can see that. I mean, I, like I said, I, but I, I agree with Alex on this basis of like you know you know similar to what you just said, like have the two pitches that dominate and then you know throw out a full meat pitch. But you know if. If he could turn in, make one of those breaking balls, we'll, we'll call it even league average because I don't think they're league average. Um, mm. That and I think he becomes truly, you know, 
a top five, top 10 pitcher in Major League Baseball right now. And certainly in the small sample size that we've seen, he's a really good pitcher, but I still don't know if I'm willing to put him in that, you know, top, you know, 10 category. I mean, I hate to say it, but like, again, if we're looking at, you know, pitch types in terms of dominating pitches, we've got to look at Kevin Gossman too, who's doing some really interesting things out there with the Giants. And I'm not sure if I would call Kevin Gossman a dominant pitcher at this point as well. Yeah, you know, that's such a, a good point. And so I, I oddly, the people at Pitchers kind of make fun of me because it's, I seem to only write articles about pitchers who have left the Orioles. Yeah. Like last year, I wrote about Bundy, and, yep. and a month, like less than a month ago, I wrote about Gaussman. And it is so bizarre because when you look on a piece of paper and some, if like someone were described to you how Kevin Gaussman is having success, it, it makes no sense. Like if you're like, yeah, he's throwing fastballs over the heart of the plate and then throwing his splitter, you'd be like, Okay, and how is he? I just say, like, well, he's, we saw that as yeah. an Orioles fan, and it did not work out very well. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like it's sort of bizarre, but he's been having this like you know a lot of great success doing that, and it's fun to watch. And but yeah, I kind of feel the same way where it's like I can't, I legitimately can't even tell if it's me, if like there is just a Baltimore hat so deeply ingrained into my subconscious that I can't remove it, or if it's okay to be like. These guys are top 25 pitchers in baseball right now. And that's kind of weird to say. I think it's a Baltimore aspect. I mean, you know, the fact that, you know, when we talked about in the podcast last week, the fact that we haven't really seen a pitching performance like this since, you know, Eric Bedard, maybe. But like I said, when I was watching that game, I got I got clearly moose vibes is the best way to describe it, watching that game. Mm. And it's just so tough because it's just you go through such long stretches of not seeing good performances from a pitching standpoint. Um, and it gets really difficult. I actually have pop quiz trivia for you guys. Okay. That I that Sarah Langs, I believe, tweeted today, S Langs on sports on Twitter. Do you remember I think I'm I don't think I'm paraphrasing this. Do you remember the last pitcher who was uh, a pitcher of the month or I think pitcher of the week? Player of the week for it was yeah, uh, for Ar- the Baltimore Arthur Orioles. Rhodes in nineteen ninety four. He pitched two um shutout outings. And he dropped his ERA from 8.38 ERA to 5.41 by throwing those well two outings done. in the 1994 strike-shortened season. Well yeah. done. That was amazing. Yeah. Man, you guys need to prepare things like this more often. I'm about to say, if, if me and Alex could talk, you know, Jake, you'd pretty much be out of a job. But let's, <laughs> let's, let's move off of John Means because, again, we could talk, you know, ad nauseum about him. I don't want to talk about another kind of resurgence slash Phoenix story in Matt Harvey, who I think is really intriguing and is a really good feel-good story. Um, you know, Matt Harvey is doing some really intriguing things at his age. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't say he's dominating out there, but he's certainly coming into that, you know, realm of, you know, being a potential trade candidate. Um, you know, talk to me about why another team may want to believe in what Matt Harvey is doing out there uh, and considering him to be a trade candidate. Yeah, it, it's it's a really interesting point, and it's a uh, you know this is it's kind of great because like I think this is I don't want to speak for you guys, but this is like what you always want as an mm-hmm. Orioles fan. This is why I always wanted them to throw like I had no problem with them throwing literally pennies at at what I call Prince Felix Hernandez yep. now because take these guys with this high pedigree and see what they can do. You know, see see if there's a tweak that you can make that allows them to, you know, achieve some success to get 
uh, you know, someone who probably isn't a top 20 prospect, but could be a 20 to 30 prospect. And so, you know, just to give you some more depth in your in your in your uh, system with him, you know, this sinker that he started throwing again, I think is a really, really big deal for him. I mean, right now, it it's not performing great so far. It's got a near, near 300 batting average against, although the peripherals are actually pretty good on it. It's got a 235 expected batting average, a 263 expected Woba. And even though he doesn't really throw it all too often, I think it makes his breaking pitches a little bit better. I think it makes that curveball a little bit better, which I kind of wish he would go to a little bit more. He's done some interesting stuff with the curveball usage, but I think it also sets up those secondary pitches a little bit better. I mean, I don't necessarily think that it's sustainable for Matt Harvey to be a, you know, mid three ERA pitcher uh, for the rest of the year. Um, his one of his ERA indicators in Sierra has him at a four point six four. I think that's overly pessimistic. Yeah. But I do think he can be a serviceable, you know, mid four ERA dude who's trying to rely a little bit more on on you know weak contact uh, with that sinker than he is with any swings and misses. Right. He he doesn't really still have that pitch right now. That's like a real whiff getter. You know what I mean? Um. So yeah, I, I think like at the at like. As guys keep getting hurt over the course of the year, which is going to keep happening, sadly, Matt Harvey is going to be an interesting dude uh, for organizations. I'm thinking like maybe the Dodgers. No, he wouldn't go to the Dodgers, but maybe like the Brewers or something where they're going to be able to sit their stars an extra week or so and give Matt Harvey those innings. You know what I mean? Well, first, I, I think you should always assume you can speak for me. Just feel feel free. Uh, <laughs> in fact, you know. On ESPN, you should say, well, as Jake English would say, uh, and then say something <laughs> right, I'll do that next. incredibly yeah, I'll do that stupid. Next. Um, one thing that I'm curious about is we look at a guy like Matt Harvey, who's who's doing okay, right? Um, but we, we, in the past, as Orioles fans, have seen guys, whether they be prospects or reclamation projects, come in and tank. And I wonder Are all we, the time— We're talking Wade Miley? <laughs> right. <laughs> I wonder all the time about whether or not it's the talent of the player or it's the organization, it's it's uh, you know it's uh, staff and setup that makes the difference. And so, what do you think? Do you think this is more about Matt Harvey and his ability to reinvent himself, put in the work, change his pitching, or do you think there's a, a factor that we should, as Orioles fans, um, take some encouragement in to know that the organization can bring in a reclamation project and turn him into something that we're talking about a, a potential shade chip. Well, in, in, in many ways, I think you kind of, you know, it's a, it's a really, really good question. I think in some ways you kind of can't have one without the other. And what I mean by that is like when I first tweeted about Matt Harvey a, a week ago to see if maybe, or a couple weeks ago to see if there was a change in his curveball grip, um, someone had subtweeted uh, a, I think, a gym in New Jersey that had led me to believe that they had done work with him this offseason, that maybe that was where he was this offseason. He was putting in some work there. Um, and I, I can't say for certain, so this is conjecture, uh, but it would seem that that is where a lot of that work was done. Now, the That's, front office Those have can, definitely been the rumors that have been going around it, within like the okay. Orioles sphere, sphere. So like... Whether that's true or not, that seems to be the rumors, and there's been rumors as well that the Orioles have, you know, maybe got information from that organization that had inclined them basically to say, let's take a shot 
at Harvey as well. So whether that's true or not, there definitely seems to be some smoke there is the best way to put it. <laughs> yeah, great. Well said. And I, I think then it bodes well on the organization for allowing that to even happen and trusting a, you know, an outside source like that and then taking that risk there. You know what I mean? I am I'm really curious about what, you know, if I'm speaking as a fan what developmentally the O's are doing at the big league level and if they're just like devoting all of those resources to what could ostensibly be a really exciting squad of pitchers. Stop me if you've heard this before. Uh, a really <laughs> exciting squad of pitchers coming up through our system. You know what I mean? Because um, I, I don't know if like... It's a, yeah, weird, I, I just it's a weird aspect, too, because, like, you think Chris Holt, for example, who is the Orioles pitching coach right now, and obviously was hired for pitching development, and then, like, of course, got named as the pitching coach. So it's this weird—the Orioles are really weird right now from a pitching development standpoint, where obviously we saw a lot of success um, in a very short sample size um, with a lot of, you know, pitching prospects that are in the farm system. Um, and I'm not talking about just D.L. Hall and Grayson Rodriguez. I'm talking about— there's a lot of other players that, you know, sold leaps and bounds improvements as well. And like I said, I'm not willing to say that Matt Harvey um, was magically transformed. But mm. I think we can think back to the Duquette, um, you know, era. And we can think about the emphasis on uh, biomechanics and changing deliveries and approaches. And just be thinking along the lines of, okay... Um, are the Orioles allowing players to kind of do what they need to do and then giving them the data necessarily to make those decisions? And the players that choose not to do that, they're basically saying, if you're not willing to take the data and do something with it, then we're going to cash to a side. And a part of that is, you know, something that's interesting to me is I'm wondering if that's why Kevin Gossman and Dylan Bundy were potentially shuttled out. And even though they're having good success, you know, Alex, um, I, I do wonder to myself of like, I wonder if they didn't get behind the messaging as it relates to the development that the Orioles wanted to kind of throw out at them. And they're just like, well, if you're not on board, let's find you somewhere else that you can get on board. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's the question that we might never have a legitimate answer. We'll, to we'll know we... this in 10 years when someone comes out mm -hmm. and, and talks about it, um, you know, at a show or something like that. But it's odd is the best way to put it. And like I said, there's there's. There's these aspects of, you know, you can see certain things that are going on from a from a development standpoint. Of course, the Orioles are not publicly putting out there, but you mm -hmm. hear rumors, you talk to people in the warehouse, you talk to people um, that are scouts and stuff like that, and you know they're doing certain things. And then you look at who they've moved on from, and you're like, what exactly is going on here? Um, and it's just, yeah. it's interesting is the best way to put it. Yeah, I, I just like I was thinking about this so much at, at the beginning of the 2020 season where it was like, OK, we're at a crossroads with Dylan Bundy yep. where we'll get an answer as to, you know, who the quote unquote issue was like if 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 basic writers like myself at Pitcher List could say, hey, he needs to increase his slider usage um, and he if he. If he goes to, you know, L.A. and does that, then it could be a failing on the front office side. And if he doesn't, that could ostensibly be a failing on Dylan Bundy's side because maybe he wasn't willing to do that. And I just really, really, really find it difficult to believe that a front office wouldn't suggest that, that like Mike yep. Elias and Sigmidel wouldn't suggest that. You know what I mean? So I, I think, you know, it, it's so important for, I think, Orioles fans, and I'm speaking to myself, too, to like – 
we cannot really we have to reserve judgment until like another two or three years and that's so tough i agree completely with you is it's there's not enough data to basically indicate it's positive or negative there's some good things going on there's also some questionable things that are going on as well um but i still feel like on a developmental basis um we're in a much better position than we were um you know during that duquette regime where you had rick peterson doing biomechanics um and who jim palmer personally told me that guy is f- <laughs> 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 um, and it's this it's it's this basis of like i feel more comfortable and like i said it's not perfect um nor is baseball development ever perfect um but i feel more comfortable right now looking at some of the more minor successes that we are seeing across the board um, and I think that's what I would take from it. Well, gentlemen, I, I know that it's really important that you guys, uh, you know, wait to, to uh, cast judgment. But I'm just going to jump right in and make wild. Uh, you like know, like, like you do. <laughs> I'm not I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting. Because we have a podcast to do and you've got to make wild accusations. OK. Uh, let me ask you this, Alex. We've, we've talked about this on the show uh, a, a little bit. You know, when I look at baseball Twitter. Um, and in, you know, beyond base or, uh, Baltimore, clearly it seems like it's all pitching, right? Right now we are in love with the dominant pitching that, that is out there right now. You know, we, we look at overlays, we look at swords, you know, baseball is, has really fallen in love with power pitching. And, uh, and I wonder, you know, it used to be all, all, um, you know, highlights of, of just incredibly huge dingers that we would be, be watching. Have we reached, you know, kind of like another golden era of pitching right now where uh, the physical talents uh, and the way uh, bullpens are being utilized and and the athleticism of pitchers right now are, are really just kind of like a special time for baseball? Man, you know, it's so funny because depending on who you would ask, you would get such a drastically different, you know, answer, right? Like I have my answer and then I think some people would say like, no, there's there's too many strikeouts and the art of it is gone and blah, blah, blah. But I think really when I try and remain as, you know, unbiased as possible about this, I think you can probably say, and I'm really trying to think if this is true or not, but I think you can probably say that maybe aside like, golf there have been there is like no position that has been more advanced by analytics uh in any sport than than pitching right now you know what i mean like we are like currently at the point where we're going through this amazing not even just this analytical revolution because that's been happening for a while but like we're learning about seam shifted wake for the first time you know what i mean like we're like literally finding new like physics anomalies inside of pitching because it's just being broken down so meticulously right that's not happening in football at all there's good analytics in basketball but no position is being broken down as efficiently like like i said maybe you could say it about golf and why i bring that up is it's translating to freakish things you know what i mean like the dude um uh the uh japanese pitcher uh for the red Sox um that just got the japanese relief pitcher i'm blanking on his name right now um 
what's his name? Uh, Hirokazu Sawamura through like a crazy fast uh, splitter, like the the second game I saw him in against the Orioles. Uh, We're seeing like new velocity highs. We're seeing movement profiles that are completely unprecedented on these pitches. The average fastball velocity is 94 miles an hour. Like, I just think that in many ways, yeah, we are. We are seeing that golden age because we are learning more and we are getting more efficient in how we teach and how we approach and we're able to get the most out of some of these pitchers right now. So yeah, I just think it's it's a really, really exciting time to 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 watch pitching. The last thing I'll say about it is like if I'm getting excited about Hirokazu Sawamura, who is a guy who does not throw a lot of baseballs, like that's insane. Like if we are getting excited about relievers that come into work one in, and sure, there are plenty of guys that come in to relieve a game where we're like, who is this guy? But a lot of the time, if you watch some of these pitchers, they have one or two pitches that you're just like, like Blake Trinan is insane. He's in, he's insane. Yeah. Like Cesar Valdez. I was about honestly, to say, Cesar Valdez is a great example of, it doesn't just have to be velocity. It can just be, you know, vertical movement, and you're just like, yes. oh my gosh! And you know, I mean, I'll, I'll come back and you know, you know, pay tribute to you, Alex. But I think some of the overlays that you've done is really imperative. You know, when you are talking to someone, um, we'll call it in that kind of baby boomer generation, they're like, well, I don't understand why Adam Jones always swings at that ball in the dirt, and then you show them an overlay specifically, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, they have to make a decision at this point. And if you were in that position, like, what would you be doing? They're like, well, he's a professional baseball hitter. It's like here's the amount of time that he has to make this decision on this basis of an overlay. And they're like, oh, that's pretty tough. And it's just like, yes, it's it's extremely <laughs> tough. Like, so yeah. like the next time like someone complains, I'm like, let me show you an overlay to make you sh- realize how difficult the game of baseball is and how, you know, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, the aspect of movements and stuff like that, but even, you know, a more common thing that just came out a few years ago with pitch tunneling, how tunneling mm. matters so much. Uh, in terms of approach and deception basis is um, where people are just like, well, I can hit that ball. It's just like, but you don't know where it's going to go is the best way to describe it. It's not just about the velocity, but it's about the movement. And I think that's going to be the really intriguing story of 2021 is is the movement piece, uh, specifically with the baseball as we continue to get more and more data. Um, you know, what does it look like during the summertime? What does it look like during you know the the hot humidity days? Um, how does it change in terms of that, that the spin dimension? Um, you know, what does it look like from a movement, both horizontally and vertically? I think this year from a, from a baseball standpoint, we're not going to be talking about a juice baseball as it relates from an offensive standpoint. I think we're going to be talking about more of that basis of, um, you know, what has changed with the baseball in terms of more of this vertical slash horizontal movement. And I think, you know, this is going to be the summer of physics, as it were, mm. from from a from a baseball pitching standpoint, yeah, got to be honest. Going from the summer of love to the summer of physics is a definite downgrade. Listen, I'm excited. Yeah, it's okay, a big drag. <laughs> <laughs> but but you, you know what's so fun? <laughs> like I I sucked at that stuff in high school. You know what I mean? And that's what's so funny is like there are ways, and I appreciate you saying that too. That but there are ways that we can like those are the fun challenges. Like yep. how do we take those high end physics concepts and like put them in a way in which they are accessible and cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Correct. Like, and not even, I guess cool is a bad way to say it. And you kind of summed it up perfectly with what you just said, Jake, but like, how do we put it in a way that is just conveys how absolutely mind boggling what these guys are doing with a baseball is. I think it's so cool. And you know, Scotty's throwing boomers under the bus here, but I, I think it's so cool to watch, you know, former players 
embrace the way we talk about baseball now and saying this is an articulation of the things that we knew about but expands our understanding and our ability to talk about pitching far beyond what we had, right? They they started at spin rate and we're just like generations beyond that at this point. But but it really is, you know, a continuation of we've we've always known what good pitching looked like and what the results of good pitching were. But now we're able to break down what good pitching is and how to get there. And, and again, I come back to, you know, we, we talked about physics and stuff like that. And, you know, we have to look back at folks like Alan Nathan, who's done some amazing things mm. from a physics standpoint, both in terms of pitching, but also, you know, you know, balls off of bats and stuff like that, too. But I think it is so critical specifically for the generation that we are trying to bring into baseball. You know, the stuff that you're doing, Alex, and other folks are doing, too, in terms of putting out content out there, whether it be videos or GIFs. To really explain like why baseball is really cool um, and why it is like really different than compared to any other sport. So I think it's, you know, the typical basis, like you're, you're at a hot dog stand and you're storytelling as it were, um, as it relates to everything that's going on. Um, so I just wanted to say thanks for everything that you're doing out there for the baseball community in terms of that storytelling that you're doing, um, because I think it's helping to engage and, and grow the game as it were. Uh, in terms of drawing an interest. I just wish that you could write a little bit more about former Orioles. I mean, if you could do that a little <laughs> bit more, that would really work out for me better, I think. You know, Rodrigo Lopez is currently pitching in the Mexican League, so if we need to get some data to Alex, I bet he could do that for us. So I was really hoping Rafael Palmero would continue with that comeback <laughs> so I could write his redemption piece. <laughs> so um, Bird's Eye View is clearly uh, at, at, at one step of quote-unquote quality. It's really important that you tell the folks about PitcherList, not only uh, the great written uh, uh, content over there, but there is a whole PitcherList podcast network uh, that, you you know, you might know a little something about, and maybe you can tell us why we should be listening to that instead of this amateur program. PitchList is a podcast network that we launched this year that uh, has been great, and we have a bunch of different podcasts that you can listen to. You know, you can listen to stuff about pitching with Nick and I on on the corner. Uh, we have a first pitch podcast that we do every morning. That's ten to fifteen minute quick hits of all the news from the day before, including top performers, as well as one of my favorite things, which is a full weather report from Mark Peckett uh, that really impacts your fantasy day to know who you need to be keeping an eye on and who you don't need to worry about. But then we also have stuff about the culture of baseball about the minors about you know really anything it's a lot of podcasts uh so yeah there's a whole feed that you can go check out and you know it, it's new for us and it's something that you know the way that pitcherless got to where it is is through feedback from people listening so give it a listen let us know what you guys think and we can you know hope uh that we we keep bringing you the content that everyone wants to hear Alex, thank you so much for joining us again. We we love the content that you put out there. And, uh, you know, hey, maybe there will be some great Orioles of today for you to write about great former Orioles. Mm, here's hoping, my friends. Here's hoping. And that's our show. Remember, you can find this in our entire catalog of hopefully full, indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, many others. Remember, rate and review the show. We appreciate it. Uh, and encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeview, 
B-A-L. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I'll bid you all a fond adieu adieu. No, seriously. Good night, Baltimore. This is it. Be safe out there. No more. No more free baseball. And let's go O's. No, no bonus episode tomorrow? No. No more. What about all that stuff we cut out? Uh, maybe. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.